Today's episode's all about affiliate marketing, all right? Caitlin Buskirk is my expert interview today, and she's a co-owner of Fractional Affiliate Management and has been working with some of the top companies as their affiliate marketing manager. So whether you're just starting with this or you're looking for advanced strategies, this episode's going to be for you. We're also going to talk about how to get into this world, and if you want to become an affiliate manager, what to look for and how to basically analyze companies that present yourself in a way that's going to get you hired. And if you have a product or a brand and you've never done affiliate marketing, we're going to unpack everything you need to know to be successful at not just promoting your product, but getting somebody in as an affiliate manager that's going to want to help drive massive amounts of profits and revenue for your business. Okay, so this is an exciting one. It's one of my favorite topics. Let's get into affiliate marketing right now. Welcome everyone to the Partner Up Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Viancourt, a former introverted small towner who now adds value to businesses by sharing the most effective ways to grow and scale using affiliate and influencer partnership strategies. I'll share the lessons I've learned over the past 15 years while helping my clients generate more than 100 million in sales. We'll also dive into productivity hacks, mindset, and the newest trends from real case studies and expert interviews. You're just one partnership away from changing your business. So get ready, partner up, and profit. Let's get into it. All right, Caitlin, welcome to the Partner Up Profits podcast. I'm really excited to chat and uh, just want to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you so much. I am super excited to be here. Can't wait to get started and dig in a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot to dig into. And this is like one of my dream interviews because it's all about affiliate marketing. So before we get into that, though, what's something interesting about yourself that not many people know? Oh, my gosh. Not many people know that I absolutely love karaoke. I am like the biggest nerd when it comes to karaoke. I will sing just about any song. And I love to fill a room with just like-minded people. And I also am sober, so I do it Sober karaoke, which I guess is pretty wow. rare. <laughs> What's your favorite song? Oh, I'm a country girl. So I like Cheater Cheater by Joey and Rory. Everybody knows that song. And it's very upbeat and gets people going. Nice. <laughs> I'm a country guy too. So we got something in common already. And karaoke too, but I'll probably partake in, in a few drinks to get some motivation up and some inspiration. Now, I totally understand that. <laughs> okay. So today we're going to talk about a really cool topic. It's affiliate marketing. Okay. It's the fastest and most sustainable way to add massive profits to any business. So if you don't know affiliate marketing, it's going to be a great episode. If you're an affiliate marketing manager, it's going to be awesome. And anyone in between looking to level up their skills, Caitlin is the person to help you with this. So I'm excited to get into it. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a little bit of context how I know Caitlin. So Caitlin and I, like we've known of each other and I'm part of It's Your Mom's Group in the direct response marketers group, an amazing community, like-minded networking group of direct response marketers who are there really to support each other. And whether it's this group or any group, those ones are really powerful. It's great for networking leverage, asking questions, and just making new intros. So I kudos to your mom for putting that together. It's an amazing group, really like being a part of it. And it's an invite only, and you can get booted out if you're not being engaged. So I love that component of it. (laughs) She's strict. She's a strict one. And that's good. It keeps engagement. It up. That's what I like. It is. keeps everybody active and engagement. Yeah. And to me, that's a big power move, building a community. And the other way that I'm doing it is through the podcast. And this is this is my way to kind of get in touch with people who I don't always have conversations with. So this is like our first official conversation. But I've, of course, been a fan afar, seeing what you're doing. And obviously, you've really developed your skills. 
and become a world-class affiliate manager and now moving into new verticals. So we'll get into that a bit later. Let's get into some questions though, because some people might not even know what affiliate marketing is. I know it's strange for those of you watching, like, well, how would they not know that? But I've mentioned to a few people who have businesses that are like, how do you get into this stuff? So first question, like, what is affiliate marketing for those brand new to this industry? I think the easiest way to describe it is we all watch Facebook, we all have a TikTok, we all have an Instagram. So when you're scrolling through something and you see an ad pop up or you see one of your friends that you follow that's promoting a pair of jeans or some makeup and they say, hey, you can get 10% off, click on this link. Right there, they receive a commission when you buy from that specific link. That is the base of affiliate marketing. And what we normally do is direct response email marketing. So most of the junk email that you get in your inboxes that might come from one of our partners, not on purpose, but sometimes there's some junk that flies through and it's a way to promote for our affiliates as well as our partners. Usually it's a 50% commission, 50% and up. So you're basically paying more to your partners and affiliates than you are yourself. Got so that's it. Kind of the basis of it. No, that's a good breakdown. And I think that's some distinctions because some people are afraid of paying money out if they're not controlling the traffic. But the good news with affiliate marketing, you could structure it. Now there's different structures. There's like CPA, cost per acquisition or cost per action. There's rev share, but it's a safe way to actually add revenue to your business because in most cases, you only make money if the affiliate makes money and vice versa. Now, yeah. if, if there's like a CPA, you have to figure out what makes most sense. But I think that a lot of people are a little bit scared of this in, in the start because they're not really sure what it is. But I, I honestly think it's one of the safest ways to add sustainable revenue to your business while you do other things, whether it's Amazon or Google ads, like you could still continue that. But meantime, you have this other extension of your business, right? Yes. But also I think what companies forget is as long as you know your cogs, you're safe. So you can you can get somebody to get a formula down for you, make a spreadsheet, and you can get to know your cogs before you decide what you're going to pay out to your affiliates. I've come across companies that let's say we're paying 70% out to their affiliates. We look at their cogs, which anybody that doesn't know that is cost of goods. That's what the offer owner is paying for this specific product. And he was paying 70%. Well, he realized he can only afford 60% and still make good money. And that was kind of a rough lesson for him. But as long as you know your cogs, it is a safe way to really market your product and get it out there. That's yeah, it's so true. And you can control that. So everyone's gonna have a different product, different cost, and you can kind of put it up or down. And yep. I think you'd agree, like, you know, the max payouts gets the most attention in the industry. Like you wanna have a oh, good product. you don't want to be stingy. No, no. And you're gonna see companies out there that will not accept 50%, won't accept 60%. They won't even ex um, accept rep share. They want a CPA only. But you do have those partners. But again, when you're growing, you find the ones that are worth it and what you can pay out. So in the end, it, it does all work out, but you do get some people that are they're doing. <laughs> yeah. And the other way to look at it too is longer term, you're acquiring customers. Even if you're not making a lot on the front purchase, you just acquired a customer and provided you've dialed that in and optimized it, you should be making a lot more over time. Exactly. So let's let's back up. How did you get started in this space? Because I'm assuming you didn't go to like nobody goes to school for this stuff, right? It's not like an official training no. program yet. No. So obviously everybody knows my mom. And <laughs> she's been in the industry for over 25 years. She has done affiliate marketing 
before affiliate marketing existed, before that term really came Mm to. And I moved away. I got married. I started working at a bank as a bank teller. I basically have just been in either food service, customer service, manager positions, that sort of thing my entire life. I got a job because I needed one and it didn't pay well. And I got fired over 50 cents. (laughs) And it was... I lost 50 cents somewhere. I got fired. I called my mom. I'm crying. I'm pregnant. And she goes, well, I've been trying to teach you to do what I do for the last five years. Are you ready? I guess I got to be. I don't have a choice, do I? Yeah, let's go. And the first thing she said to me was, you better take this seriously because you're not going to tarnish my name. (laughs) All right, mom. Getting harsh right off the bat. Um. Yeah, basically, she gave me some intros. She wrote a course for me to learn. And I got thrown into the fire. And Jeremy from Peak Biome hired me. And yeah, I just I just learned that way and just got thrown in. And it was the best decision, the best firing I ever could have asked for. <laughs> That's amazing. And there's so many stories like that. And I love it because it's like the underdog story. And there's career path changes that change your life. And I think this is one of them and a lot of people don't even know about it. And I want to talk about that later. I really want to circle back to like how people can can find this role and who it's a good fit for. But let's, let's stick on this because when you started in the space, you're fairly new. So you learned stuff and it was, it was your backdrop to what you're doing now. But what did you learn after you learned the fundamentals that now you've evolved your approach a little bit for affiliate management? I would say that probably relationships, the relationships that you build with other people in this industry are your biggest weapon. They're also going to be your biggest shield. You get caught up in the money and the KPIs and the stuff that you really, the nitty gritty stuff. And all in all, when I go to somebody and ask, hey, I need help to reach my KPIs, to reach my goal for this month, most of the time I get a yes because of that relationship I have built with that person, that company, that partner. Also, reporting is huge. If you do not start out doing your reports correctly, you will regret it in a year when something happens and you have to go back a year and do the reporting again. So I think reporting and relationships are the two biggest fundamentals of affiliate management when you look at it as a job. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that like a lot of these things people can learn as they go. And and that's a good thing. Like this, this is a bit of a malleable role where it it can adapt and evolve as as you learn things. And let's break down a few things. Like what's like AOV, average order value? What are other key terms people should be aware of when they're coming into this role? There's a lot of different abbreviations. There's a lot of terms, but the biggest is AOB, which is your average order value. So that's how big each order is from each customer. We want to look at numbers that are over 200 is usually kind of a more sexy number, I guess you could say. Conversion rate. Conversion rates can be anywhere as low as 0.2 for a bad offer and anywhere as high as 7% on email traffic can be great. We like to see numbers of 2% and higher for conversion rate. EPC, that's earnings per click. EPC is kind of, some people love it, some people hate it because Mm. it does not give you full accurate data, but anything $1.50 above for EPC is wonderful. But we like to look at like profit per thousand. 
So profit per thousand on your email list. We like to see a 10, a 15, a $20 per thousand customers that you have on your list. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the biggest numbers I would say that we look at when you're looking at an offer to promote to your affiliates and what would do well as a, a good JV relationship. That makes a lot of sense. And I, I like that you highlighted like the key KPIs here that people should be focused on because those are your selling points. And when you're going out to shop for affiliates, people are going to be asking you that. And you want to make sure that one, you know them, but two, that you're at the standard that they're going to be expecting because otherwise it's a call that's wasted. <laughs> so oh, yes. what are other things that affiliate managers can do to kind of level their skills up or things that you see people doing on a regular basis that's like, oh, that's cringeworthy and I wouldn't do that again? So for one, you need to know the company and the product that you are representing. You cannot go in all willy-nilly because you're going to have people that are very strict with compliance. They're very strict about what is putting, what's put into the product itself. So you should have product labels readily available for your partners to look at. You should have, if you have a VSL, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people send me a VSL, which is the video landing page. And if you've never watched one, they're 25 minutes long. They're hard to get through. They're a pain in the butt. Send a transcript. You need to send a transcript to your partner for them to look at it. Because not everybody wants to sit there for 25 minutes to make sure it's compliant. Treat your affiliates and partners like they are lazy. Give them the easiest possible. Give them everything they need in one email. You paste that swipe, you paste that link, give them everything. Don't give them a darn document that they have to click and open up. They need everything right there because they're in a hurry. They're scheduling 10 other offers while they're scheduling yours. Those are some of, I, some of the biggest things that I think make a difference when you're talking with partners and having a relationship with them. Make it easy. I like that. The make it easy is is one of the fundamentals when it comes to this. You have to assume that nobody knows what you're talking about to some degree. <laughs> And that yeah. like they're technologically deficient a little bit or whatever you can think of. You have to think of all these alternate scenarios that could happen and just account yeah. for that. Now, I want to flip-flop a little bit from affiliate managers to like businesses that want to use affiliate marketing to help propel their business beyond what they're currently doing with internal marketing, as I like to call it. Now, if somebody has never come an affiliate manager... How does somebody get started in this? So you're talking to somebody at, at a restaurant one day, you're telling them what you do. And they're like, wow, I'd love this. <laughs> How do I get into it? Because it's like an underground niche network, really the direct response space, especially the one that you and I live in. But what would be like the next steps for somebody? I think next steps would first do your research. Look up affiliate marketing, look up what affiliate management is, um, and start writing down some questions. After you write down your questions, I'll start looking on LinkedIn, okay? Just to get ideas of what people are looking for in an affiliate management role. And look at that and look that up. Go back, just see if that's something that you want to do because it's a little bit hard to get into, but we need people. We need more good affiliate managers, but you have to put in the work. You have to ask for help. You have to be willing to Basically, you cannot be you cannot be a fly on the wall. You have to be the bunny that hops around to everybody and talks to people and asks questions and do your research. And there's a bunch of free courses online too. You can literally go to is it Udemy or mm. one of, one of them on there 
You can go to look up affiliate marketing. You can take a free course. And it's just to give you an idea, see if it's something you want to do. If it's something you want to do, honestly, you could reach out to me and I can see if I can get your foot in the door. Have you ever wanted to start working with content creators or influencers to scale your business, but you just don't know where to start? You're not alone. Starting an influencer marketing affiliate program for your business can be a very profitable income stream, but so few get it right. And the majority of the comments I hear back from clients is that they tried it, they spent a few thousand dollars, they saw no results, and they gave up. And it's truly painful for me to hear these types of stories. So I went ahead and created a free masterclass program called the Bootstrapper's Guide to Influencer Marketing. You see, since 2015, by shifting my focus to omni-channel influencers, I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning, but along the way, I developed a winning formula that allowed me to successfully build multiple seven-figure influencer programs. Now this masterclass program is free and it's everything from how to find influencers, how to outreach them, what to pay them, how to analyze them, working with agencies, and how to minimize mistakes and maximize the wins. It's gonna save you a lot of money, time, and resources. It will also fast track your success and allow you to finally build an army of micro-influencers and possibly even crack the code on working with a few celebrities. Just go ahead to partneruppprofits.com Search for the Bootstrapper's Guide to Influencer Marketing in the product section, and you can download it, like I said, for free today and start learning the truth about what it takes to work with influencers. Yeah. And I think that it's it's hard, but it's also easier than people think. It's To me, I think that the thing I'd recommend people do is like go to a networking event, find out where the networking events are, and, and start yeah. to cherry pick some of those, introduce yourself with absolutely no agenda beyond mm-hmm. just making some connections. And if that sounds scary as hell for anybody, then that's probably isn't for you, <laughs> including myself. When I first started, I was like, I'm still an introvert, but I learned how to protect myself with systems and systems being like states of mind and, and talking points. But it is something that anybody could potentially do if you're committed and you have the right mindset and you're a people person. If talking to people drains you, probably not for you. And if relentless follow-ups and chasing people down, again, is not for you, then this isn't for you either. But well, let's let's now think about who we want to avoid if we're an affiliate manager and we want to go get hired. So like we're looking for anybody to hire me. But in my experience, and maybe you can relate, I'm not sure whether it's any experience you've had or other people's toxic environments. Like what are other things that people should be kind of protecting themselves when outreaching and trying to just get a job with a company? What are the things that you look for or valued? But you want the company to have core values. So ask them if they have a core value document. See if they have what they expect their employees to portray, what they expect their company. Who are you representing? We have at Peak Bio, we had core values. This was exactly what we expected from our employees, our how we treated our customers, how we were as a whole. And make sure that it's a right fit for you because I think one thing that offer owners do is they think that an affiliate manager is going to come in and poop rainbows and make all this money for them. And that's not the case unless it's a good offer. We can't, we, you can't send bad things and expect a good result. So ask your questions. Make sure that it, that their personality aligns with yours, that you're not going to get into a fight with them, that basically that they're a good person. Because if they're a good person for the most, usually most of the time, they're going to be a good business owner as well. Yeah. And, and I think, what is important is you have to be a little bit picky. 
you can't just take the first offer. You can't take the first thing like presented to you. Um, no. I like the core values. So we have a lot of core values in the businesses that I work with. And it keeps people accountable when other people aren't there to keep you accountable. I guess that's a better way to put it for myself. It's like, I don't need yeah. to explain something or micromanage somebody because the core values keep us all accountable. And well, they also keep us accountable to their customers. So yeah. I like the idea of stress yeah. testing, just asking them, do you guys have core values? And if they look at you and go, core what? <laughs> Probably you're not the best fit. And just conversations with people, like how do you feel like when you're talking to like the AKA boss or the, the product owner, company owner, that's going to be your environment. So I just, I encourage everyone, Caitlin's saying too, is just like choose who you work with based on these stress test questions. Because it's not just about money either. Like, let me tell you, like money only goes so far and then yeah. comes culture and environment. And you don't want to be in one that's toxic just because you're not in a cubicle or you're not driving to work every day. Like this has become well, the norm of working from home. And that's not the only benefit anymore. Well, and another thing with that is Affiliate marketing, especially in direct response and email stuff, it is so up and down. So that base salary that you get, you could have, you could make X amount of money, get 5% commission. And then the next month, that 5% commission is so low because the sales were so low. So definitely don't base this job on money. The relationships will get you so much further if you're in a good company. Yeah, I agree with that. And let's shift the focus now, a business, okay? Now I'm a business, I wanna find a great affiliate manager and I wanna keep them. I wanna keep them engaged, motivated, inspired. What are the things that you've seen done successfully or things that you've noticed yourself that have motivated you or others? One thing is having an understanding of your goals. So have an understanding of your goals with your supervisor, your boss, whatever, to make sure that your goals are attainable. Because if you have a goal set so high that you don't reach it, that just knocks you down. That makes you feel like you're inadequate. That makes you feel like you did not reach your goal. Set realistic goals. Now, sometimes you might not always reach them, but if you get close, for the most part, you're going to feel better than if you totally missed it. Keep everybody engaged. If somebody needs something, give it to them. If you need something, ask. Always provide your affiliate managers with new content, with new stuff to give to their affiliates because they're the ones managing this relationship. If they don't have stuff to give them, why are they talking to them back and forth over the same stuff? It has to be new stuff. It has to be updated. It has to be tested. It's You always have to give them new stuff. I think new stuff, communication, and being there when they need you it's a very close relationship, affiliate manager and offer owner. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Where do you see affiliate marketing trending towards? Because a lot has changed, whether it's marketing angles, whether it's the way we, we have relationships or do networking events. What do you see happening in the next like five, 10 years? I see social definitely continuing to take over. I think that that is going to continue to skyrocket. Before, it was just email. You signed up, you got a bunch of emails. Now, every single Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, it is all so fully loaded of affiliates that are doing the influencer type of stuff. And I think that eventually it is going to be mostly that because we all have our noses stuck in our phones or on a screen anyway. But emails are turning into just kind of a dumpster. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, I agree with that. 
I mean, I, I won't lie, like my work email is so organized. I have 2000 folders of partners and I, I it's so clean. My personal, it's like 5000 emails that I just haven't deleted for the last three months. Um, it's just my little dumpster where I need if I need something, I search for it. But social, I think is where everybody goes. That's where you go to find stuff. That's where you go to shop. That's where you go to for how to's and what to do and what to cook and you don't go to your email for that. That's that's true. We've we've done so much influencer work in the past five years that the old model, in my opinion, not not that it's dead, it's just we don't even leverage it anymore just because we're doing so well with the influencer side of the business. Yeah. Um, huge opportunity for us to pick up the slack where we left off. But yeah, I, I agree with that. And one little win. And I want to hear a win if you have one like this, but we were so focused on like desktop display, right? How's desktop doing? Or just in general, we had like a TSL, okay? We, we were analyzing split test data all blended together. All of a sudden, I think like a couple of years ago, we started to separate our split test with mobile traffic versus desktop. And we noticed well, the conversions on mobile for a TSL sucked, obviously, right? And desktop was really good. So then we started to do really mobile specific tests and really tighten up the page because we didn't have a VSL at the time. So we used TSLs, but we used tactics for mobile. And all of a sudden, conversions started going up. But those same things didn't work on desktop. So I think that like, the context of your traffic and like what you're looking at in split test is very important. And even though affiliate managers necessarily aren't maybe doing that, but I think that that's like a little win that I've noticed kind of back okay. to your point on influencers. Like you should be looking at your page on your phone, in my opinion. Like, so if it's a VSL, great. Everyone loves that because you're on your device. But if it's a TSL, like how easy is that to read? And are you segmenting your traffic based on? the channel that they're coming from or the platform they're coming from. So I don't know if you've like experienced that or anything else related to like mobile versus desktop or any other marketing wins you could share. We have always, always tested desktop versus your mobile because most people are not on a computer mm -hmm. unless they are working anymore or, or grandma has her computer at her house that she scrolls through Facebook or gets on email once in a while. For the most part, we're all on our phones or an iPad, and we saw a huge jump in conversion rates just from making it just a little bit smaller in and not quite so widespread on the screen and blew up some of the headlines for the mobile. Mm -hmm. And it worked. Just little tweaks to make it easier on your eyes on mobile is huge. But you're right. It doesn't work on desktop, but it's two different, it's two different types of people. Yeah. And I, I like that. Like uh, you should be consuming and, and reviewing your marketing on your device because that's where people are looking at it. So if you're like, if you're working with designers and editors and coders and they're like working on 24 inch displays, well, like if they're not looking at on the desk or on the mobile side of things, you're missing out big time. And if you, oh, like, you know, $5 million at 1% conversion versus 3% conversions, like that's a huge lift in just like one little tweak. So yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. Have, have you guys worked with influencers? Like, how's that going for you? Is any any lessons there? So we started doing some of the influencer stuff, but we did not build our social following beforehand. So that's our lesson. Do you cannot work with an influencer unless your Instagram, your Facebook, your TikTok is start is really going. You cannot have ten followers and expect an influencer to promote you and say, hey, go here. And people do their research. They're going to type in blah, 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 go to your page. 
And what they have 10 followers. Is this is this fake? Is this is this spam? So you need to have your social following up to par before you can even work with influencers. And unfortunately, that was just not the focus because email did wonderful for us. Somebody told me that from there was a company called Trifecta and they're a meal delivery service company in the States. And he said, like, you should bat a bit out of your league, meaning the people you're outreaching for influencers should be anywhere from two to five X your own following count. So to your point, if you have 20 followers, you're not getting the person that has 10,000 followers. But no. by attracting those people have a little bit more audience than you, you're kind of you're piggybacking on their audience and you're able to build yours too. So I, I like that tactic though, if you're getting involved with influencers to kind of build up your social first. Yeah, you need to have the con even if you don't have a bunch of followers, you need to have the content there. Yeah. You know, you can't I know some people pay for followers or pay for this to try to get something, but it's the content that matters. Because you want them to go there and go into your content, not just go there and go, what's this? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to look, we always, we always call th things Muppet, Muppetry or something whenever we see things like that. But yeah, that's the front of house is very important. I, I feel on, on social, not just like what your site looks like, but like what your social presence is. I think if yeah. you, even if you don't want to be the personality behind your brand, I think really good content is going to get good, good ideas and eyes on what you're doing and tell the story when you're not in the room as well. Yep. No, I fully agree with you. And you're building a brand. You are building what you expect, what you want your company to look like to the outside world. And to don't send them somewhere that is not built up to what you would want to see as a customer or somebody coming to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now I want to talk. <laughs> I, I, there was a book and then there's like a saying from this book and it was basically... Your network is your net worth, right? I don't know if you've heard that, but it's like a relationship etiquette. And there's also another thing I like. I forget who, who said it, who did it. Everyone kind of repeats, right? They maybe played right. rooms a bit too much, but it's like ROI at an event. And ROI at an event, in my opinion, is kind of short-sighted. I, I like the term ROR, like return on relationships. Yes. So talk to me a little bit on your method on, on building, cultivating, and nurturing the relationships over time, because it does take a lot of time. But what are some strategies people can use that you've found very effective? Show up. If somebody schedules a meeting with you or you schedule a meeting, don't flake out. Don't make up an excuse to reschedule it because it is really, really easy to miss a meeting um, on purpose in this industry. You don't normally have somebody over your shoulder seeing who you're talking to. Mm. So you need to nurture the relationships. You need to show up. You need to be there. You know, there's people that I talked to for two or three years that I have a relationship with. I've never met them in person. And then I go to an event and I get to meet them. And it was like hugging my best friend for the first time, but I've known you for years. And you need to you need to go to events. You need to not just worry about work. It should be most of my calls that I get on. It's 90% BS and relationships and how's your dog? How's your family? What's new? What's bothering you? What did your boss do that ticked you off? Or what did you do? What was your mistake? And then the other 10% is, okay, do you have a date for me? Do yeah. you have, no, what's the link? So it is 90% of basically just building your relationships and talking and don't put them in a poll that they just you forget about them. Ask how they're doing once in a while. That's really key. I didn't understand that for the first few years I was in this industry and I've been in it for like 18 years now. And I was like going to networking events with like business cards at the time. And you can sell a business card. I'm not like against them. But I think that 
to your point, just connecting on an emotional level, on a personal level is going to be much more sustainable over time because you get to know that person. And we don't have a lot of friends when it comes to like outside environments when we're working from home. So sometimes it's like these should become somewhat of your friends as well. It should be people you want to work with, right? Like I think that relationship component is very important for just longevity of working in this industry too. At least that's from my experience. That's what I've been trying to do more of. And to your point, like, yeah, five minutes of a 30-minute call could just be, oh yeah, by the way, <laughs> we should talk a bit of business before we wrap this up. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that is basically all of my calls. I actually get disappointed if I get on a call with somebody and they're like, so when are you going to send? And I'm like, I was going to ask you some questions and like get to know me a little bit. And that's okay. Some people, they just, usually those people that are not in the industry as long. My mom taught me relationships equal dollars. And I tell every single person that because it really does. And even if you don't work with that person right now, you never know. I mean, maybe in 10 years, I'm going to need you, Joey. And I'm going to say, hey, I need you for this. And you're going to be like, I got you. You never know. Exactly. And I, I I want affiliate managers to like stay in companies because I, I like the loyalty aspect and grow together. But the fact is there's people that can maybe be with one company one year and then two years later, they're with a different company. But your relationships are your book of business. So you know what I mean? That is going to last a lifetime. Maybe not the company. I don't know. But I do know relationships. Yeah, it's the key in all of this including the people you're working with, right? The companies, uh, whether you're departing, it's got to be on good terms and all those things. So I want to tactically break this down for people because if somebody has never done affiliate marketing, okay, in the next 30 days, so they've got a great product, they they want to get into affiliate marketing, they, they kind of see the value in it now. What's like a 30-day plan? Just some tactical things that you'd start to get them to implement right away of course, hire an affiliate manager, but what are other things that they can do once they've they've done that or things to prepare to get an affiliate manager in their business? So before you get an affiliate manager in your business, you need to make sure that you have all your tech stuff down. So you need to make sure you're on a platform like ClickBank or Digistore or Everflow or has offers, that sort of thing. Because if you don't have that, then I, I can do nothing for you basically. But also you need to have email swipes readily available. You need to have done your internal testing. This is to whether it's your own email list, which new offer owners will not have, but you can get paid testing done. You can reach out. There's a lot of people in this space that do paid testing. You can say, hey, I'll give you X amount of money. They'll they'll send that offer and they'll send you the results back. That's a little bit more risky depending if you don't know your offer. Once your offer is doing well, let's say that it's internally, it's doing really well. A couple partners have tested it for you because you have a friend maybe. Then I could come in and say, okay, well, I know 10 affiliates that want to test it right now. I start off with those 10 after they test. If it bombs, I'm not going to continue to send it out to affiliates. I'm going to say, something needs fixed. We need to go back. We You need to go back into testing and we need to fix something. We need to change something. If it does well, I'll open it up to more. Mm. If it does even better, I'm going to start hitting my big partners. I'm going to say, hey, so-and-so, I would love it if you would send this. Most of the time they will say yes, because I will not send my top partners and friends a bad offer because that's my relationship on the line. Yeah, it's your reputation. Yep. 
Yeah, those are those are good steps. So I'm going to kind of repeat those. So step one, you need to get onto a affiliate network, and there's multiple ones out there. Everything from ClickBank, Digistore, and yeah, so you can do your research there. Number two is you need to give your affiliate manager the tools, basically a toolbox. And toolbox includes emails, meaning something has to be given to the affiliate that they can send to their own email list. So you have to develop a marketing creative and then you have to test it. So step three is either using a third party or using your own list to develop some stats. And keep in mind too, if you're using a customer base versus a leads list, and if it's all your own people, it's going to convert a little bit different than it would for colder traffic, meaning like not your list. So keep that in mind. And then you have to reach certain benchmarks. It's really like step four. So let's Recap the benchmarks. I know you said at the beginning of the call, but what are the conversion metrics somebody should be aiming for, average order value or any other metrics that's going to basically give you the right tools to go to your bigger affiliates? Like, What's that target? So you want to see an AOV over 200 because an AOV over 200, if you give your partner 50%, that's 100 bucks usually on average. Okay, That's a good payout for a sale for a partner. Anything lower than that, you're going to be paying out higher commissions and you both are going to be making less money. So that AOV is better for everybody all around to be over 200. CVR, CVR, you want to be over 2% because you can convert at 1.5 and it's still not an amazing offer. I like to take to partners anything from 2 to 4%. Anything above a 4% is usually a rock star. EPC, again, some people love it, some people hate it. Mm. Most people will test an offer for you if you give them a guaranteed dollar earnings per click. And that, again, can be super risky because you could lose money on that if you don't know the offer is going to convert. But, you know, dollar fifty and above for EPC is usually kind of the sweet spot. But I like to say two, two, and two, 200, 2%, and $2. Mm, I like that. The rule of two. Okay. Yeah. We're going to yeah. get that. And what about people who don't have a TSL text sales letter or a VSL virtual sales letter? Can people still do affiliate marketing with like just basic e-com sites or would you recommend kind of going the TSL VSL route? So yes, 100%. It's two different oceans. Okay. So you have your ocean in the direct response space, which is we'll say McDonald's, okay? Let's say you're really hungry. You go to McDonald's, you get your meal in less than five minutes. Mm -hmm. You're instantly happy because your stomach is full. You ate, you got your Coke, you're good to go, right? <laughs> but then you're, you don't feel the greatest later, okay? But instant gratification, that's what direct response marketing is. Mm. It is actually a really big payout for a really good offer really fast. It can grow extremely quickly. E-commerce is a much slower growth, but it's that steady one. So you're going to a five-star restaurant, you get a 10-course meal, okay? It takes a while to get through it, but at the end, you are super freaking satisfied. You just have, your taste buds just went on a roller coaster. That's the biggest difference. E-commerce is going to be much more stable when direct response goes down because direct response is up and down, up and down, depending on the market. And your offers will fatigue on direct response. They won't fatigue quite as quickly in e-commerce and Amazon and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, that, that's a really good way to put it. I like the McDonald's slash five star, 10 star restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I never thought of it that way, but that, that's a good way to put it. And I think that there is room. So for people who have like only e-com brands or like sites out there, they don't have a tech sales letter yet. They don't want to invest. You can still get away with it. I think diversifying your affiliate portfolio of how you're promoting though is really key. So eventually you might want that to get more direct response marketers. And I, I think that for us contextually, the e-com sites did really well because influencers and most influencers have already done the sale for you right yeah. i think direct response it's more like you're getting the click you're getting the next action and then it's the tsl the vsl's job to sell them it's not your job to sell them on the front end versus influencers it's actually the reverse influencers already done the testimonial the endorsement for you they just want to buy <laughs> so don't take exactly tsl right yeah so make it easy they want that buy button right there not the 10 mile long page to scroll through that's eventually at the bottom you know <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This has been a great conversation. I, I really, I, I learned a lot too today. I, I like the rule of two and it's given a lot of tools, hopefully to people out there looking to level up their skills or become an affiliate manager or businesses seeing the value of bringing in a really good affiliate manager, treating them right, understanding what they need. My big question to ask everyone before oh. the end of the podcast, and we have a few more, but it's my partner up profits power move. Okay. So it's basically what's something unique that either you've done or somebody's done for you that's like got your attention, made you feel great and open that relationship up for like future opportunities. And just like somebody could send you a book, somebody could have bought you like a dinner, something unique that somebody could use in their affiliate marketing journey. If so this is something I did for an affiliate. I went to his wife and I said, hey, so-and-so has done so much traffic for us, has been so amazing. What would he like? And she goes, a cheese board was your charcuterie board. And I'm like, really? So I looked it up and I made it personal. I put their name and everything and I got them a really big one. So their name was engraved and everything. And then I sent him a note. And I now have a relationship with this guy. One of the He's one of my whales. He's somebody mm -hmm. that I can go to with a good offer and I can make somebody $20,000 ascend on a good offer. Yeah. Okay. Now... I won't share who that is unless it's, it let you have an amazing offer and you know, that right there, that though, the personal, you have to make it personal, find out what they want, ask their wife, ask their husband, ask their mom, ask their kid, what do they like and send thanks because they're the ones helping you grow. They're the ones helping the company grow. Basically, everybody is working towards the same goal in this space. If you're making money, I'm making money and that everybody's happy. Mm, I like that one. And and how much does the charcuterie cheese board cost? It's like such like <laughs> investment, it's, but it's over the know, top, right? It's good. Yeah. And it's personalized. And I like yeah, that you asked it. what they like, as opposed to just, I think that they're going to like this. And it's like the person gets it. And obviously the gift was your own idea, not necessarily like useful for them. So right, that's a good one. How can people work with you? What are you looking to provide clients in the future? I know you're making some major shifts in, in the future now. And how can we get a hold of you to kind of learn more? So I have been with Peak Bio since I started in the space. And I've decided after almost four years that it's time to grow in part ways. And I now am doing something on the side with my wonderful mother. 
And we'll tell everybody more about that as we go, but we're building something really big, really fun. We want to help other companies grow. That's kind of a little bit of a sneak peek for you, but you can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. You know, that's probably the best way business-wise. And I, once I get you on LinkedIn, we can Skype. I love Skype. So would love to chat. And if you have questions, I like to talk. So I I might get annoying, but I like to talk. No, that's good. So we'll put in the LinkedIn profile link. We'll put in whatever else you've got going on by the time this comes live. And definitely get a hold of Caitlin. This conversation has been a pleasure. It's been awesome learning everything that you have to offer. Next part of the podcast is my personal way to connect with people. And this is like my selfish passion project of I want to extract as much as possible as information that I can use to connect with Caitlin in the future or anybody on this podcast. So it's a quick fire round. It's 10 questions. Okay. Got it. You have to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Don't take too long and, okay. and uh, keep the answers short and sweet. So favorite food? Uh, enchiladas. Mm. Best memory? Uh, watching Huck, the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> if if you had another go round in this life, okay, um, and you got to start a new story, what would it be in thirty seconds or less? I would love to grow up in like another country where screens and phones and things were not a thing, and just see what it would like, what it would be like to grow up like that, and really appreciate the things that I think we all really take for granted. Mm, that's a good one. I grew up in that really for 25 years of my life, but <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, the comparison. Right, right. Um, what's the best productivity hack that you've implemented in your business or personal life? Set a timer and set goals. If you want to go out to lunch, you make sure that you're back by a certain time because you are usually on your own time in this industry and you need to treat it as, as you are an employee and you need to set a timer. Just just be productive in the time that you're using and set 30-minute timers for email, 30-minute timers for replies, an hour for meetings. Just be organized with the timing. Yeah, that's powerful. Time blocking, like my my day's planned or else I don't show up to my day, literally. like that, That's oh, yeah. the way I operate. Um, yes. Big fan of that. This is a bit of a trick question because not a lot of people in this industry want to retire, but do you want to retire? Yes or no? And if not, what would you, what are you doing in your retirement so-called years? Like, What are you continuing to spend your time on? I 100% at some point want to retire. I don't know when that'll be, but I want to. <laughs> and I want to travel and hope okay. that I have grandkids, obviously. I want to go somewhere tropical. Yeah. Okay. So, I, I like yeah. that. As, as long as you got a plan that's going to make you happier and happier, I'm all for it. Yes. What book changed your life? Oh, A Child Called It, actually. I read it in high school. It's a very short, short book. And I remember reading it, got me pretty emotional. But then I read it as an adult. And it's it's a very powerful book. It's about child abuse. But it changed my perspective on how lucky I was and how lucky my kids are. Mm. and just how terrible the world really can be. Wow, that's that's going back in the file then, like if that's back in school. Like usually yeah. some of the books I hear, it's like recent books, but yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you want to be remembered for? We're going to go a little deeper here. That I was kind. 
I want everybody to know that I was kind. I don't try to judge anybody and I try to make sure that I'm that everybody's happy around me, that nobody's down, that if you need something that I'm always here. I'm an open book and want to be able to get to know people. And yeah, I want to remember that I was kind to you. I like that one. That's that's a good one. What's okay, you have three kids. So think of your kids when you're thinking of this question, but what's one skill that you'd recommend everyone, including yourself, develop early on in life to just have the maximum impact in everything you do? Be present. I think a lot of us, again, it's this goes back to our our noses are stuck in a phone. But you need to be present. You need to be present in your workspace, obviously. You need to be present in your relationships. But you need to be present with your kids. And usually being present with your kids is not a phone. It's looking at them. It's talking to them. And having that specific time blocked, again, goes back to timing. Time blocked for your kids as well. They need it too. Yeah, be present everywhere you're at. Everywhere you, everything you do, just be present and take it all in. I, I love that. And I can resonate being a father now, but it is a time block between like four and eight. There's nothing happening. Like, I'm, and I'll be guilty of getting my device out sometimes, but I'm truly trying to be oh, present because I know how how quick it goes. <laughs> it's already uh, going fast, right? It's too fast. Way yeah, too fast. I like I like that one a lot, um, especially for kids with devices. But uh, it could be a whole other episode. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> what's one thing we're getting back together next year? Okay, same day. We're celebrating something. What are we celebrating? All right, you and me. Or what, what do you have on like your agenda for the next year that you want to celebrate? We come back oh, and say congratulations, Caitlin. Well, you know, the, this new business adventure, this yeah. new business adventure that we're going on is a total success. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, they're the people to go to. There you go. That's what I want to celebrate. Okay. Well, we're going to manifest that for the next year. And then we're going to come back and celebrate it. So I have total faith. Perfect. What's one bucket list item that you just haven't done that you want to do in the near future? I really, really want to go to Ireland. Just, I want to visit Ireland. I want to visit just the culture there, the everything. And I think I love an Irish accent. Don't tell my husband. But yeah, I want to go there and just travel. I want to spend two weeks there and just, you know, dig in everything Ireland. Oh yeah, I, I I like that. It's on my list too, and we we wanted to go. So if you go, you got to let me know how how it is and where to see. One hundred percent. I've been soon. We'll see. And kind of last question, but this is like a billboard question. If you had your own billboard in life, what would be on it? Just one phrase. Oh, that's a tough one. Relationships equal dollars. That's mm. what I would have. There you go. As my friend Carrie Jack would say, it's mic drop time. So that's awesome. Yeah. Hey, it's been a true pleasure. Really enjoyed the conversation. And thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. It was wonderful. And I had a great time. Thanks. All right, guys. Hopefully everyone learned a lot in today's episode and we'll see you on the next one. Take care. That's all we've got for this Partner Up Profits podcast episode. As always, I hope you leave here today with one new idea that you can apply to your life and business. I'd be forever grateful to you for leaving a review of this episode. And if you like it, rate it a five or give it a thumbs up and just leave a quick comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at partnerupprofits.com on social media. And please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. 
Until next time, remember, you're just one partnership away from changing your business. Let others do the selling for you and get ready to partner up and profit.